Welcome to Bub Club, a horror movie podcast. On today's show, we will have some horror babble, followed by our spotlight on the hunt, and then our top three favorite slasher movies. Today is episode four, and we are your hosts. I'm Brandon. I am Lindsay. I'm Josh. And I'm Melanie. All right, so we are recording remotely. We're trying to do our part in the time of this pandemic. Social distancing. If you if you hear the robot sounds, it's because we're remote. <laughs> yeah, Lindsay and I are here. We live together because we're married. And Josh is at his house and Melanie's at her house, so we're recording remotely. So you might hear uh, a little bit of... Mm, it's not going to be as good a quality as robot. It's, it's going to be a little robot. We're still trying to deliver you entertainment. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So let's start off with some horror babble. So the office's BJ Novak is working on a horror film at Blumhouse. Um, it's called Vengeance. Vengeance is uh, a radio host from New York City attempts to solve the murder of his girlfriend and travels down south to investigate the circumstances of her death to discover what happened to her. Uh, B.J. Novak wrote and will direct and star alongside of Ashton Kutcher. Uh, yeah. So. Interesting. It's cool to see a lot of these, like, comedic writers and directors go into horror. Like, obviously, Jordan Peele is one of the big ones who took the leap, and boy, did it work out for him. Well, and B.J. Novak was a writer for The Office, which which was hilarious so it, it is always like he's he's definitely got the writing skills so it'd be interesting to i'm always interested to see what some of these like really excellent comedic writers do with horror yeah and i'm hoping that they're they will include some comedy in it obviously we, hope so. we always want comedy in our horror at least a little bit so my my horror babble uh i was just being in and quarantined it's interesting to see what uh some some of these companies are doing to help everybody kind of get through it. And I just read today that the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose, California, Got is it. inviting you for a virtual tour through the historic mansion. And it's free. It's a digital free tour. However, they are asking if you can to purchase a ticket anyway, just to help them out. But if you are interested, it's winchestermysteryhouse.com slash video tour dash tour. So check it out. And from this, I was started to think about like where I would like to go on a virtual tour while I'm holed up at home. And I was thinking it'd be really cool to see a virtual tour of the catacombs. And how I've already been there to in Paris, France. I've been to those ones and it was amazing. But if I could, you know, take a virtual tour of that again, I would or see some of the other ones that I hadn't seen in, in other uh, countries. But I was wondering with you guys. Um, starting with Brandon here, where would you go on a virtual tour? You know, I think I would want to go to the Universal Studios backlot just because there's a lot of still iconic places <clears throat> like the um, like the Psycho House and the Bates Motel. They did have Frankenstein's Laboratory there at one point. Uh, I think they actually took it out or maybe reused it. But I just feel like uh, just a virtual tour of Universal Backlot would be really cool. What about you, Josh? Uh, there's a town in Pennsylvania. I think it's called Centralia. 
but it was a big mining town in like the 1800s uh and sometime in the 1960s there were like a ton of natural disasters there were some fires uh, some sinkholes but basically it's a ghost town now and uh i've been to a few ghost towns i always think they're like really cool just all these buildings i think this uh this city in particular has a uh population of like seven. Oh man so i don't know it'd be really cool to see all these empty buildings and it is empty in- streets it is interesting to walk through uh, some of these ghost towns and just kind of try to paint a mental picture of like people walking through and what it looked like basically like envision the ghosts of the town it's kind of fun yeah what about you melanie um maybe i'd go to new orleans and do the madame Larie mansion oh that'd be really cool that'd be really cool yeah. i don't know what that is what is that it's the- it was a a woman who just basically tortured slaves. They found them like buried in her wall or chained oh. and people in cages. And now I changed my mind. Now I won't do that. Now they think it's haunted. <laughs> I was thinking for some reason I, I thought it was like the voodoo house or something. But I think that's what uh, American Horror Story had that character oh, in, yeah. in uh, yeah. one of their seasons. Uh-huh. You could always leave it up to to Mel here to uh, deliver on the really like peppy <laughs> topics. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. So what I wanted to talk about for this uh, segment was the strange thing about the Johnsons. Uh, this was a short film by Ari Aster. He did a Hereditary and Midsummer. This is actually one of his uh, like his debut like first film. It's about thirty minutes long. It came out in 2011, and it's just a very dark uh, family drama with uh, some horror elements in it. I don't want to give too much away because it's just like 30 minutes, so it's very uh, it's very packed. So talking about it more would give some spoilers, but boy, I've... is it a wild ride. I really enjoyed it, and I think if you liked his other movies, you'll really enjoy this one as well. At first, I thought you were going to talk about the strange thing about the Johnsons, like something in our family, because we, we're, we're named we're the Johnsons. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a kind of funny coincidence, but no. Um, uh, you can find this on Vimeo. It's kind of like a YouTube, but for more artsy videos. Cool. Uh, but it's on free. It's free on there, and it's like full HD and everything. So cool. Nice. Really Want to check it out? All right. Um, well, I wanted to talk about. Uh, the new remake of Pet Cemetery. I was watching it with my kids. And at first, you know, I didn't find it too scary. I don't think I even found it too scary watching it again. But for some odd reason, my kids were, they like are so terrified of it. They're terrified <laughs> of the girl that has spinal bifida. Like that's the thing that sticks in their head. Right. So there's, there's... I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on it. Like because... Some some people really like the remake, but for me, it just like wasn't scary enough. Yeah, I don't know. I I think I enjoyed the remake. Uh, I, I like how they in the book. I believe uh, in the in the original movie. I always found it like unexplained why the old man would lead this guy to the cemetery after he knows not to, 
And in the book, I believe it's because he's being controlled by the the cemetery itself. Yeah. And I think they they play to that a lot better in this new one. Like you can kind of see like it poisoning his mind. And to me, like that's a very integral part of the story that needs to be kind of shown. And I I found like oh the maybe it's just like having a kid, but like the conversation between the dad and the, and the girl is just oh it's kind of it just it kind of shook me a little bit there's some terrifying the, the moments the bathtub scene shook me yeah the bathtub scene shook me with her wonky eye and yeah. just that thing you know but again like it just i felt like they fell fell short and like kind of did some cheap scares maybe it would be better if you go and watch the original and then rewatch this one because the original i've always held dear I, I loved that when I was a kid but if you watch it again it, I'm not quite sure that it holds up very well I, I love it still just because again there's the nostalgia but if I'm really like picking it apart there there's some kind of silly acting and stuff in it um I I, I don't know I like Herman Munster yeah. in it still but <laughs> I think I, yeah, exactly I like I like the old man don't go up that road never go down that road <laughs> the I liked how the original had like these little short films within it, and the remake didn't do a bad job with that. In fact, they visited him a little bit more. Right. But I didn't like how they changed the the uh, the 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 son into a daughter, and that's probably just because we have a daughter, and that hits yeah. too close to home for me. Also, well, well, the thing is, they had the daughter, but it was the son who was supposed to die. Right, right, yeah. And they switched it up, and I just, I didn't find Pascal that scary. Like, and to me, in the, I guess I've read the book, and to me, that character should have been more present. Yeah, maybe. And I didn't like the whole, like, the sister is final of falling down that elevator shoe. Like, I just thought that was kind of a cheap scare they wanted to put in there. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I kind of liked how they portrayed the haunt, she, her being haunted by her sister a little more in this one, though. Yeah, um, no, that was good. But they just didn't, to me, they just didn't pull it off. Okay. All right. Well, I have a horror movie fun fact that I'm calling a time bandit on Elm Street. So Wes Craven reportedly planned to have a stuntman play uh, Freddy Krueger in the beginning, but opted out of it and felt that he should go with a more accomplished actor for the role instead. So his first choice was the British character actor David Warner, who uh, you might recognize from Time Bandits, Titanic, or various incarnations of Star Trek. But Warner had to pass on the project, which opened the door for Robert England. Which, this happens a lot with horror fans. We hear about possible other actors playing these iconic roles, and it's really hard to imagine, right? Right. And maybe if a stuntman or Warner were to have played Freddy Krueger, maybe we wouldn't have known the difference at all. Maybe not. But as a big fan of Robert England, I like to personally think that the movie would have failed without him. I would always like to like invent a machine where you can view these movies in, in, that, in the state that they were supposed to be in. And it just—it would just be interesting to me to like Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would just love seeing like where the, they would have gone with with these original uh, proceedings. I guess the Futurama "What If" machine, but right. only for movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that was our horror babble. 
up next will be our spotlight on the hunt. All right, the hunt came out this year, 2020. It got an early VOD release thanks to the COVID-19. I think it was in theaters for only a week, and then they shut theaters down. So, you know, uh, an unfortunate thing about the hunt is there were some shootings, so they had to push back the date. Then they got it released in the theater, and then they had to pull it from the theater and put it on VOD. But we uh, bought the movie. We, we rented it on Amazon Prime. It's 20 bucks, which we figured would be the same price of... Uh, um, going to a movie for yeah two tickets but <laughs> right. instead the four of us got to watch and enjoy it um the hunt is a blumhouse production by director craig zobel he did an episode of westworld american mm. gods a couple music videos for iggy pop uh some feature films that he did is uh Compl- compliance and great world of sound and Z for Zachariah. It was written by Nick Coos, who has done episodes of the Watchmen TV series and Maniac, and uh, Damon Lindolf, who wrote some episodes for Watchmen, but also is credited with uh, the, the creator of the television series. And he also... Wrote World War Z and Prometheus and Cowboys and Aliens. It stars Hilary Swank, Betty Gilpin, Emma Roberts, Wayne Duvall, and Ethan Surplee, who used to, uh, in my notes, it says uh, used to be fat, but that sounds a little, <laughs> that sounds a little insensitive. You might know him as the guy who was fat. <laughs> he was the big dude in American History X and. Uh, he was in Mall Rats and Blow. He was Tuna and Blow. Really large guy. But he slimmed way down. Not only did he slim down, but he got all buff too. And he was almost unrecognizable in this film. So, like, kudos to him, man. That's awesome. Um, unfortunately, I tried to look for some, like, fun facts about the movie, but none of them were fun. It was all talking about the coronavirus and, oh. how, and how it didn't release and all that, which I That's already mentioned. Um, so this was a Blumhouse movie for me. Blumhouse is hit or miss. And a lot of times it's more misses than hits. And that's not a knock. I don't want it to be a knock to them. This is just my personal preference. I think I'm glad Blumhouse exists because they're consistently trying to push out horror movies. So that's good that we have this abundance of horror movies. And hey, if they have five misses to me and then all of a sudden they have one really like golden one, like Get Out then I'm perfectly fine with them continuing to release a bunch of horror movies. Well, and for me, this one was a hit. I I truly enjoyed it, and I don't want to give out too many spoilers or anything, but it was like the perfect amount of dark and comedy and horror and gore, and it just felt fun, and maybe it's like this, like, I'm stuck inside, and I just needed that, like, kind of, like, humor release, plus, like, the gore was kind of fun to watch. I'm kind of a... Gore hound, I, I like. I like a good gore scene, but um, the oh, first yeah. the first ten minutes of this movie is just one of my favorite openings of any horror movie. Not any, but a lot. <laughs> There's a lot out there, and this kind of competes with that for me. So I I don't know. I it was it was fun. What did you guys think? Yeah, um, I was 
really hesitant to uh, watch this at first. The marketing, like, made it seem really edgy and just, like, trying a little too hard when the got its re-release date for, like, March 2020. Its new trailer was, like, the most talked about movie of 2019 <laughs> that you never saw. And just, like... Oh, yeah. I don't know. It was just, like, kind of silly. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a cringe fest. But I kind of went into it with an open mind because Nick Cruz and Damon Lindelof, uh, who wrote the movie, um, they worked together on Watchmen, the HBO show, and also an HBO show called The Leftovers. And those are two of my favorite shows, although they're not horror. I I thought it was interesting to see these guys branch into the genre. Um, But I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. Um, it's not like a, a super scary movie as far as horror goes. I'd compare it to like Ready or Not or The Purge. I don't know if you guys... Have no, that's that's a good comparison, movies. I think. But, yeah, um, I thought it was really good. It wasn't as like... It didn't seem to be super political, even though it dealt with uh, both sides of the political spectrum, I guess. it It was just really fun and... Uh, a lot better than I thought it was going to be. You know, some of my favorite parts are just the the conversations between the liberals uh, when they're, you know, in between all the craziness and just them, like, you know, they're they're killing people and then they have these just, like, super PC conversations and it's just it's just kind of a funny... Yeah, they're, like, constantly correcting them, each other and, yeah. Um, it was almost... Lindsay explained it as being almost cartoonish, mm-hmm. but it's, like, it's a lot of violence... So if you don't like that sort of thing, I'd stay away. That's true. But it has a really good way of like bringing humor to the violence, which also some people might not like. But I really enjoy yeah. that because it's kind of like masked in like um, the surrealism type world where like violence is just like a, an everyday kind of occurrence. It's it's right. and it's almost it feels like um, characters in a video game like. One guy gets like <laughs> yeah. shot with arrows and he's like, screw it. And he starts running towards him. And like most people wouldn't do that. Most of us would like to think we would be heroic. But I would do that in a video game. What, what, yeah. I know, Melanie, that you watched it with your kids. So what did you guys think? Um, uh, they really enjoyed it. I was really worried because I had my kids this weekend. I'm like, oh, well, I have to watch this show and it's going to be violent. But my kids were like sitting there the whole time like screaming and like rooting for the girl and like <laughs> um i think the only part that they were really upset is when the pig died and then then like that was like a big huge thing but other than that like i thought it was a really fun movie um i thought the beginning like really threw me for a loop because right. i thought oh that's gonna be the main character oh, that's right gonna be the main character and it was just was like crazy that's yeah. what i was saying like the first 10 minutes is just fun man so, it's just like you're following these people and you start to get attached and then boom they're gone and you're like what what's going on that it can, bullet yeah, almost hit me. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and they're, they're big there's some big names in there that just boom gone i was like whoa i just i think yeah, i i immediately I sure knew i was gonna like it gonna be the main character yeah right yeah, and it was like it was hard for me at first because like I would be like, okay, this is the character I'm going to be attached to, and I was like, oh, nope. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. My kids thought it was fun. Like we were laughing the whole time. It so. was funny. There were some funny parts. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just feel like this was like a real like romp. Yeah. You know. It kind of just felt like a release for me because it's just with all the paranoia and all this stuff. And, you know, um, my daughter's sick. I've been getting sick. And you you can't help but think about all that stuff. But then this just kind of took my mind off of it. And I think it was a very much needed just like ridiculous movie that took me out of my world, you know. And it was just, I don't know. And, And maybe it's one of those situations where I also thought, you know, going into it, like, I don't know, this could be like 50-50. It looks like the trailers didn't make it look amazing. But there was a lot of, like, actors and actresses that I saw in the trailer. I was like, well, th- like, the guy from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, I'm, I forget his name. Maybe one of you knows it. But he's in it, and I'm just like, I like Glenn him. Glenn Howerton. Yeah, Glenn Howerton, yeah. So he's in it, and I just, and I wanted to see him, like, what he would be like in a horror movie. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was on the he's same really boat. really good, yeah. I was on the uh, same boat with uh, Josh and, and and Lindsay where going into it, I I wasn't excited. I just thought I was just curious. But boy, did it like really surprise me in a pleasant way, I yeah. thought. Almost right from the start, too. Right. Like, I'm saying that first 10 yeah. minutes just yeah. grabs you immediately. It's fun in a dark I way. I thought it was going to be like, not to be rude, but like another sort of, what do you call it? I just thought it was going to be another, like, stupid, gory film, like, kind of cheesy acting. But I think, like, going, because I went into it that way, like, I enjoyed it more. Yeah, the acting in it's actually. when you go into a movie with, like, I'm going to, yeah. Right, and that's what I was saying. I think maybe, like, you ha- you have, like, the lower standards. Good. Right. I mean, I th- I think I think some people would say that it was just a dumb, yeah. gory movie. But I think that it was they knew that they were doing that and I think that it was executed pretty decent for that type of movie. Right. It wasn't a movie yeah. that was trying to take itself seriously, right? They weren't trying to like be too serious. Yeah. No. Which made it it made it fun because I like you said, because of all that's going on, like I was not in the mood for anything political or serious or negative. Like so it was just all around kind of a funny, fun movie. Right. So yeah. this movie is doing better with the audience than it is with the critics. Uh, it's getting a, it's like a 66% for the, the audience and a 52 for the critics. But I don't know, 66% for this kind of movie is kind of actually pretty good, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's not bad. Horror movies score lower. They just, typically. yeah. I don't know why people, yeah, maybe they're more critical of them or something, or maybe something upsets and upsets them in them. And so they... You know, I don't like it. Well, just don't go see horror movies, right? <laughs> yeah. If you don't like them. <laughs> right. I really like the main character in this. And I don't, again, I don't want to spoil anything. So I don't want to talk about it too much. Because that part part of like trying to find out who the main character is, is part of the fun for a long time, for quite the first little bit of the movie. But I yeah. think it's just, it's just like, there are a, the main character is a perfect like combination of like, very intellectual and also like redneck badass. I don't know. I I thought it was kind of fun. It's a fun combination for me. All right, so let's rate this piece. I will give it a solid eight. I I was gonna go eight too. Don't you guys copy us? Um, a six. Oh, six. I'm gonna go seven. Cool. Six is better than average. That's true. That's this true. A, a lot of people say a six is a bad score, but I. I I well, think it's a respectable one. It's about what everyone else on the Rotten Tomatoes is saying. Yeah, yeah. and I, I rated an eight just because of its fun factor. 
Yeah, it's just fun. Like I, yeah. I, I don't think this is like this masterpiece, but it is like right. you want to have just like dumb fun. You should definitely watch this movie. It is, and but there is. I mean, it's not just dumb. There's there's some pretty good writing in it with some of these conversations that they're having, yeah. and it's really it, it's funny. It's very well written. Yeah, it's a good satire and well directed like too. Like there was a lot of just like scenes that just like melted very well together, and I I was like actually really surprised by uh, how good how good it looked. All right, so that was our spotlight on the hunt. So up next will be our top three slasher movies. All right, so before we get it started, just some facts here. The first considered slasher movie is a movie called Peeping Tom from the UK that came out in 1960 on it was released on April 7th. And then two months later, Psycho was released on June 16th, 1960. Both are credited with like the first being the first slasher movie. Uh, Peeping Tom is always said to be the first one and Psycho is the first U.S. one. But they, I mean, obviously neither one of the directors saw each other's movie before um, they made theirs, so kind of right. like a great minds think alike kind of thing. Also, they weren't like, I'm going to make the first ever slasher movie. <laughs> no, you no. know, I think a lot of it was kind of uh, going for like noir, murder, mystery type, but they, they switched it up so much that they started a whole nother genre of movies. Right, you can't make a slasher film when the genre doesn't even exist. Right, exactly, <laughs> yeah, obviously, right? Um, the way I made my list is just... Um, slasher movies that just stood the test of time or were very dear to my heart or I saw when I was younger and they still stuck with me. I have some honorable mentions that I will um, talk about at the end that could have easily made the list, but I had to go with these because they just kept screaming at me like a slasher victim. <laughs> well, the way I composed my list was uh, there's there's one on there that's that kind of there for nostalgic reasons, and then there's two of the ones that just like when they came out were just different and had a great impact on me and kind of like um, I'm not a huge slasher fan and and the movies that I want to talk about like kind of I don't know they spoke to me. I have not seen every slasher movie ever, um, but I from- have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The uh, the movies I chose were ones that just stuck out to me, um, or ones that kind of opened up the genre to me. So, yeah, and movies that I enjoyed and thought were pretty good. So that's my top three. Uh, my top three are just ones because of nostalgia and fun, just things that we watched when we were kids and. Me, Lindsay, and Bo are the <laughs> neighbor. Bo doesn't so. even know he's been mentioned on this show. That's why I just, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'll say that um, I am a, actually a big slasher movie fan. Like for a long time when I thought of horror movies, that's what I thought of was like slasher movies. Those come to mind, like all the classics. Um, they're not necessarily my favorite uh, subgenre within the genre anymore. And it's for no other reason but like I maybe I played them out a little bit too much. But I do really like slasher movies still. So I was happy when we picked this top three. And on that note, let's get into it. 
All right. My number three is Scream, 1996 from Wes Craven. I remember seeing this movie in the theater with my mom and my sister and my friend. And I remember it was playing on several screens. It was like a really big release when it came out in the summertime. And we walked into the wrong theater, and it was uh, the part where she was uh, on the phone in the car, and he's like, she's, he's trying to kill me, and then he pops up in the car, and every, the whole audience screamed. It was like a packed house, and my mom looked at me and was like, should we not see this movie? Is this too scary? And I was just like, no, we're in. We got to do this. <laughs> and seeing it in a packed theater, I think, made it really memorable for me because everybody was into it. Everybody was like screaming and laughing. And I remember there was a girl sitting in front of me and her friend was sitting like kitty corner behind her. And every scary part, she would look back at her friend and start laughing like maniacally. And I just found that to like add to the scariness of it because the shadows on her face, it was just hitting just right to where she looked kind of scary every time she looked back. I imagine that her friend was like going into it nervous and scared and her friend in front of her was like, you know, kind of like having fun with that. But afterward, I got this, I kept scaring my poor mom every time uh, I would see her walking. I would like go behind a corner and just like, <laughs> walk in front of her and I, I just found it like like this like kick charge this thing in me that just wanted to like scare people not kill people obviously and that's what the movie has in it but I really like how self-aware it is too and it was like one of the first movies that really did this in an abundance of like took all the horror tropes and made them very much like in the forefront of everything and the whole whodunit thing was a lot of fun the first time you're watching it you know, it makes everybody seem like they're the possible killer. And to find out that it's like these two like horror movie fans that are that are doing it um, kind of hit close to home with me because I'm like, I'm a really big horror fan. But, you know, it didn't inspire me to go out and kill people. It just inspired <laughs> me to watch the movie more than once. Yeah, this is also my number three. And when I went and saw it in the theater, it... I, again, like a, <clears throat> I'm not a very big slasher fan, and this, and up to this point, before this movie had been released, like this, the slasher genre, genre just felt like kind of dull to me. That you know, like I, I wasn't like a big fan of all the Halloween and the Jason movies. Like it just seemed like the same movie, like done over and over again. And I know that's not everybody's opinion, but it, that's just how I kind of felt about them. But when this came out, it was just different, and and I did like the the meta ness of it, and uh, it was funny. But scary at the same time, that opening scene with um, Drew Barrymore was just, it was actually truly a scary scene. And there was a little bit of laughter and stuff in it. But for the most part, it's kind of like us, this scary, heartbreaking scene, especially when her parents come home. And I don't know, it was different. This was a, this was something different when it came out. And I got really excited, excited enough that I believe I went and bought like the soundtrack and watched it like a, a whole bunch of times as soon as it came out on video and I, I know I loved it. It was different for me. Oh man! Do you remember? Do you remember me, you, and Michael going to see it? Grandma Betty taking us to the the West Valley Mall, I believe, to go see it. Oh yeah, that's right. The theater out there. Yep, that's how we saw it. That's right. Speaking of the soundtrack, man, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Red Right Hand. Yeah, like that's such a great like it's all, it almost becomes song. the the theme song for right. for the movie also the the opening for it as you were talking about um i always thought that that could be a standalone short film 
Right. Like it's so good, so solid. And like when it ends, it's just like a perfect, like short film. But then the movie continues on after that. Drew Barrymore actually was asked to be the main star and decided that she just wanted to walk on roll. And she said that she wanted to die in a horror movie. And she, if you watch behind the scenes footage, you could tell she's just having a blast. And she probably wasn't on set for a lot of days. Right. And she probably had a lot of fun doing that. I would have like. liked to see her as the main character. I don't love Nev Campbell as the main character. She's fine. Like, I, I didn't mind her, like, the first movie and stuff. But as the movies continued to progress, uh, I kind of, I don't know. I got well, sick of, like, something about her. <laughs> and it just didn't work for me. And, she's kind of whiny, whiny yeah. and, like... Pitiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that fits I think that fits the character. Like that's Possibly. who she's supposed to be. She's yeah. supposed to be kind of ruined. You know, her her mother died and now there's like a killer stalking her. Right. But um yeah, I like Drew Barrymore much more as an actress. Yeah. Um as the films progressed though, through <laughs> two, three, and four, they, and they're saying they're gonna release a fifth one. I had to see them. No. But uh two was okay, but then three and four I they're really, really disliked. Well, you can't keep oh doing the who done it without it getting like ridiculous ridiculous yeah. you know the second one was okay because yeah. they they played on the the tropes of a sequel so they you know had all those right. kind of jokes and, and fun things to put into it but the fourth one really upset me because it insinuated in the trailer <laughs> that she was going to die that the main character was going to die and she spoiler alert she doesn't <laughs> and i only watched it to watch her die and she it didn't <laughs> well, deliver they, they just want to make more and then like i i think like dewey gets stupider and stupider oh but that, he's one of my awful. favorite characters man he is so funny when it shows him and, and i think it's the think second one using in the next one that she's actually going to die wow they they oh, promised gonna, that in the fourth right, one for yeah. me they're, they're gonna like m- pivot the franchise and kind of reboot it with like different characters this did you know have you guys seen the series i'm sorry no no i haven't i heard it was pretty decent i guess yeah they changed the mask but then they put the original mask back in in the later Mm -hmm. seasons um this movie was originally supposed to be called scary movie that's what it was supposed to be called but they dropped the name and went with scream and then the same studios did scary movie and so they just had that title and they portrayed dewey in it as like really like (laughs) really dumb dumb. (laughs) and and uh but he's one of my favorite characters in it just because of how like ridiculous he gets in his ridiculous theme song yeah (laughs) but he shows up and he's just like like you know his arms up because he got wounded in the last one and he's just like on campus looking around aimlessly like who does that who walks out of college and just looks in the sky for something it it uh it was really bad but like i i love it because it's so stupid and ridiculous i'm i'm gonna be him for halloween just because oh that's a great halloween costume actually being characters all of us being characters in scream sure yeah i got the bum leg All right, Josh, what is your number three? My number three is House of a Thousand Corpses uh, by Rob Zombie. Came out in 2003. Uh, This is number three on my list just because, like, I really respect Rob Zombie. He went from musician to, like, movie director. And I don't know. I just think it's brave of someone to find something they're good at and then move on to something else just because they want to. Like Michael Um, Jordan did with baseball. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and golf too, right? Um, But uh, like, I don't know, just from his like filmmaking style and everything, you can 
you can tell he enjoys what he does. Like, this movie doesn't really do anything new. It takes, like, a lot of tropes. They got, like, crazy clowns, a wacko family, a evil doctor, you right. know. But uh, this even is pro- though it's not very original, I feel like it just grabs the best out of everything and, like, moves them all together. It's almost a shot-by-shot remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, if you think about it. Because it's yeah. some people, it's some, like, teenagers or our early 20s um on a road trip they pick up a hitchhiker that hitchhiker takes him to a house of a family of right. murderers but uh um i don't think he did that accidentally i don't think he did like was trying to hide that right um it's really experimental and that's why a lot of people don't like it because they like the use of like the negative colors and like yeah. it's a lot of weird stuff and like home video footage but he was inspired to do that because of like the Manson family used to do like home recordings of themselves, like kind of just like ranting and raving. And it really kind of felt like that. And it made it feel a little more creepy that way. Yeah. But um, I, I really like this movie I like, too. I like this movie too. I, I really like the almost like supernatural aspect of it in a, in a way. And the things that they discover poor Rain Wilson's character that always makes me sad every time for some reason when <laughs> they make him into like the little fish man. But no, I, I like it. If there's one thing I don't like about this movie that like in, like makes me incredibly irritated every time, it's that laugh of Rob Zombie's wife. Yeah, like the I would high pitch giggle. Sherry Moon, Sherry Moon Zombie. I actually like the other yeah. one as the the mom just fine. She didn't really irritate me, but yeah, Sherry Moon Zombie. They, like they that both laugh irritated me. But I love the colors, and I actually did love this film. Like the opening scene to me was like awesome it was I really cool was crazy. yeah i like yeah. that going th- yeah that is really cool it starts off yeah, with when they the go through yeah. that like uh the haunted like clown maze when there's thing. the robbery yeah. at the beginning yeah. too yeah. the murder ride yeah. and the, i think the colors were like very neon and i don't know to me like when i watched that because i was at a young age i really like loved it and it kind of like was something different yeah i do remember you being very much into a lot of the Rob Zombie movies when they first started coming out. Yeah. And yeah. you can't mention House of Thousand Corpses without mentioning Sid Haig. Rest Aww, in peace. Poor Sid. Um, Sid Haig is an awesome actor, and he uh, didn't pull any punches with his character, uh, Captain Spaulding, in this. He was like, for me, the especially no. in the first one, he like kind of made the movie. He was funny. He right. was believable. Uh, I really enjoy Sid Haig's work, and yeah. I, I was sorry if to hear of his passing. they just did a show, yeah, with him, like just a scary movie with him, I think that would be something. Well, they can't, but if they right. would have just focused more on his character, I think it would have been more awesome. Yeah, it would have been that would have been an interesting like spinoff movie or something. Yeah. Yeah, so that's my number three, House of a Thousand Corpses. So my number three, and I don't know if this is considered slasher, but I think it is, is I Saw the Devil. I Saw the Devil. I don't know. This is the one where he gets the revenge? Yeah, his wife gets, uh, his pregnant wife gets murdered, and then he then goes on a rampage I think you could call it slasher. Against all these like serial killers. I think it's a slasher. Yeah, there's a lot of slashing. There's a lot of blood and slashing. Yeah. And I just thought that for i just love the film i love the premise um you feel like heart-wrenched when like you find out like it's his wife and she's pregnant and he finds her head in the river and um i thought it was very entertaining and you get to go through like kind of all these different serial killers and 
I don't know. Right. I think Lindsay saw it. I think it's I think it's an awesome film. It took me a while to see this one. I know you had recommended it to me for a while. And when I saw it, it's just yeah. it's one of those films where you are like on this ride with him. It almost feels like very like John Wicky where like uh Yeah. Where you you want him to just beat the shit out of everybody that's wronged exactly. him so bad. Like, and you can't help Oh. Right. And and it's just like you wanna like uh you want to basically like stand up and cheer every time. Yeah. And in the end, it's kind of sad because like, it's like a not win sort of situation. Like nobody really wins. Like, right. And we should but mention it's a South, it. South Korean film right. from 2010. Yes, it is South Korean. Yes. Which they, man, Korean horror movies. Uh, so good. Really good. They're yeah. so good, man. They know what they're doing. I definitely recommend anybody to, to watch it if they haven't. Definitely agree. Oh, no. I definitely, absolutely. I think it's free on Netflix, too, or one of the... It is. It's yeah. free on Netflix. All right, moving on. All right, my number two is Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. And I wasn't trying to like link my number two with the second one or anything. It just happened to fall that way. From 1986, from Toby Hooper. I really like the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre a lot. I really do. Um, it's kind of a slow burn, and it um, has a lot of screaming at the end. But I felt like number part two took it like to the next level. And I love the opening scene where it's like a, a radio show host and these two kind of pricks call in and they're on a road trip and they uh they just mess with her and for some reason if they don't hang up uh the radio show can't disconnect them <laughs> i mean i don't know why but just for the movie purposes that's how it had to be because a van pulls up and boom you see the chainsaw and it's really cool because you see the um the dead what uh what is um speculated and i think it's been confirmed it's the hitchhiker from the first one dead strapped to leatherface's chest and then uh they shoot his head and it goes away and you see leatherface right and it introduces the character chop top which speaking of house of a thousand corpses bill mosley plays both um otis in house of a thousand corpses and chop top in this and what a great character chop top is in fact it almost feels like otis is like an older version right. of chop top but chop top's kind of this like hippie-ish dude he's got this metal plate on his on his head and he's taking this uh hanger this metal hanger and lighting it with a lighter lighter and then like scraping uh, the skin around his his um Metal plate. Yeah, metal plate. And then eating it off, picking it off and eating it. What a disturbing Ugh. character, man. Yeah. And the girl in it is such a badass, and she kind of starts outwitting them. And then you got uh, Dennis Hopper coming in as the um, protagonist kind of in the film, going after the family. And I love his, like, chainsaw shopping when he's shopping for different chainsaws and different lengths. And, oh, man. It, and then they have this huge battle of like chainsaw sword fight almost at the end. Um, I, I, I really love how it goes um, more into the family and you see that they're making chili and spoilers, chili is people. <laughs> and that's how they make such a great chili. Cause the, the Cause grandpa people is are delicious. Yeah. Or the dad, I think the grandpa's more in a wheelchair. I think he's considered the grandpa, but the dad is a, uh, yeah, he's part of a uh, chili cook-offs. So yeah, I, I really love, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. 
I and that is my number two. I have to say really quick before we move on that this has one of my favorite scenes, my, maybe ever in in a horror movie where he is riding on top of that car and the Oingo Boingo song is playing. Um, and I can't remember exactly what Oingo Boingo song is. Hour of the Wolf. Hour of the Wolf. Yeah. And I don't know. There's something about it, and it's very like almost dancey. It's just if you haven't seen it, watch it for that scene alone because it's just it's kind of like an incredible scene. It's really fun. So. My number two, and I know I have an overlap with Melanie here, is A Nightmare on Elm Street. And obviously this is a Wes Craven film. Uh, it c- came out in 1984. I was one years old when this came out, but that's not as when I watched it. I probably watched it when I was like <laughs> four or five. But <laughs> uh, We loved this movie growing up. We would actually have our aunt uh, put like butter knives uh, in her hands, like in between her fingers and chase us around like she was Freddy Krueger. We, we couldn't get enough of it. And, you know, I, I always thought that as the, as the films progressed that I really liked, I think it was like the third one. What was the dream one? Or there was one where the girl turns into like a cockroach and I, and I kind of loved that scene. But when I really go back that and one scared the shit. Yeah. But, and I liked that as a kid and I thought that was my favorite for a long time. But when I really go back and watch these movies, you really can't argue with this first one. It's it doesn't it's not as goofy as the films turned out to be as they went along, and yeah. it's actually kind of scary. And there's like these actually really scary moments in it. And Freddy Krueger is a little bit more scary because he's not just making puns the whole time. Because I mean, as the films progress, you you start to kind of root for Freddy, right? Because he's kind of like this just funny character, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I don't know. Why did you pick it as yours, Mel? Um, just because, like, when we were kids, we loved it. It was something that actually kind of really did scare me. And plus, I loved some of the things in it, like the marshmallow stairs. Yeah. I mentioned that. Um, I actually... just, like, the the waterbed with the blood spurting up. Like, there were just some things, like, you'd never seen before that I think were pretty awesome. Well, definitely. And then it's cool to, to hear how they did that waterbed scene with all that blood and... I think what they did was yeah. they had that they had the room like upside down and and the blood basically just draining and there, there's like a there's a number of gallons that like a fact out there about the number of gallons of blood they actually used for that and it's pretty incredible. But yeah, and I loved I loved that scene where she was trying to get a hold of him and she couldn't do it and like you just knew like that's it. But I think it was more childhood nostalgia than anything. Right. And me, you, and Bo just watching it over and over again. Well, and ultimately, it's it's a really just kind of well put together slasher film, and it was. and it's and new something right, new, right? And you know, I feel like I would like to see the horror industry go toward this uh, direction again, where we're creating new monsters. I would like to see more new monsters being yeah, created. Exactly. And this was just like a, and I believe it was like inspired by sleep paralysis, which I know that you and I both suffer from. So it makes oh, the yeah. film even a little more, I don't know, hit home for me. A little me. more creepy. And yeah. actually Brandon and knows that just... all about that world too. <laughs> yeah. And Wes Craven was actually reading articles about people dying in their sleep because of it. So I don't know how accurate the articles are because it's not typical to die from sleep paralysis. But they were having heart attacks, and he just thought, well, how cool would it be if there was a person, like, On you know. On the other end of them, like killing a, them. Yeah. That is, that is that, and that's, like, a perfect example of, like, being inspired, a director being inspired by everyday, like, events yeah. that can go on and uh, creating something kind of 
are imitating life. Right, kind of thing, right. Yeah. And like yeah, kind yeah. of amazing yeah. out of Instead it. Instead of all this CGI and bullshit, right. like I think like like I said, the marshmallow stairs, things like get creative, yeah. do things. I used better. to have dreams about marshmallow <laughs> stairs getting stuck in those. Yeah. But you know, that's the, <laughs> I know they tried to reinvent Freddy in, in the late in the later yeah, film oh as a scary God. guy, but like I, the fact that they yeah. just made him all super. I know, I know they it kind of in in they hint toward him being a pedophile, but they yeah. really like but push the pedophile. They really went for it. They went for yeah, it. They, like, oh, you're talking about the remake? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was too much for like, me, man. I don't need to see you with his knife. Yeah, it, it was. I don't know. No, they too much. The remake was like too serious for me. Whereas yeah. even the first one had a little bit of like comedic relief in it. Sure, but. As they went on, so for me, I like kind of all the Nightmare on Elm Streets, um, all the sequels and right. such. Yeah, I just I do have, too, a, I have a lot of fun with them. Yeah. And as they go, they do go down in quality. But um, Freddy Krueger's like one liners, which a lot of people don't <laughs> like. I really like it. I think it's I like it's fun. Yeah, it's super fun. And it and the the death scenes get more and more like kind of gratuitous and, and like the and cockroach crazy. scene. Man, yeah, that that that's actually awesome, scared yeah. me when I was a kid. Where or she, the like, puppetry. Well, like right. Yeah, there's some I really had OCD cool. when I was a kid, and that cockroach scene, like, I always thought I was going to turn into a cockroach. Like, yeah. Because you know I had that thing, and I was like, I'm going to fucking turn into a cockroach. I also, I didn't, I didn't like when they they made the one, and they got the actress that plays Nancy, uh, Heather Langenkamp, I think her name is. Um, Wes, that was Wes Craven returning to the franchise right. to I do did, it. I didn't oh, like. I didn't like li- a movie. Yeah, I didn't like how they just made everything a movie, and I, I was not. That's probably the one I'm like not a huge yeah. fan out of at all. No, the <laughs> but, remake is not either because they didn't even do the scene like where she's on. Because I good mention the scene where like Christine gets sucked up on the wall and is getting cut. Oh up, right. Like, how do you not make a good scene like a remake of that? Like, like that is one of the most gruesome scenes. Like right. that scene actually did scare me as a kid. True, yeah, me too. And I feel like as yeah. if you're going to do a remake, that you need to do these monument. You like Evil Dead did it perfectly. Some of the some of the scenes that they read in yeah. that is just beautifully done. And you have to you have to pay homage to some of the the these you scenes. Do. You have to, and like what like I said, like how do you not make something like remake something like? It would have been awesome to see something like that. Definitely. They just definitely. They screwed it up. Yep. And that is our Melanie and I's number two, Nightmare on Elm Street. Number two. Okay. So my number two is uh, Halloween uh, from 2018, uh, directed by David Gordon Green. Uh, I did this one because it kind of turned me on to the Halloween franchise. I think it was the first Halloween movie that I actually watched. Um, which is kind of funny. But uh, I really liked the the first one as well. I went and watched a few of them afterwards. But uh, I'm usually not a huge fan of like these remakes or like huge franchises that just like keep on going. But uh, from what I've heard... Uh, Halloween was kind of taking a downturn towards the later movies, and I think this one was was a pretty good recovery. Yeah, um, um, Halloween, the Halloween franchise. I, I'm kind of a sucker for these old franchises, these '80s franchises. I I like a lot of them, um, and the remake. I was a little reluctant because just like the word remake and some of these classic films kind of um, 
worry me a bit. But yeah, I I, I like this a lot. I went and saw it in the theater by myself. We had just uh, had our daughter, and Lindsay stayed home with the daughter, and I just rushed to the theater to see the next showing, and um, and I had a lot of fun watching it. I thought it was really cool. Um, it also like. With Halloween movies, I like it when they kind of soak the movie in the Halloween traditions of the holiday, and I thought they did a really good job with this one. And they got the original uh, actor from the original Halloween to play Michael Myers. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I actually like this one too. It took me a while to see it because, like, like Brandon said, we just had a baby, and eventually it came out, and I watched it, and I was actually pleasantly surprised. You know, when I say I I don't, I was going to say hate, but when I say I don't like these these types of movies, it's really not that I don't like them. It's that I don't get super excited about them because they do feel very samey to me. And I, I don't know. I think I think this was, did well. It was entertaining and I wasn't bored or anything. So, yeah, I like this one. I know Melanie yeah, saw it, too. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, so, it, there's some things that weren't my fave, but I liked it considering all in all you were really yeah. annoyed that she was calling her grandma grandmother i believe that was <laughs> yeah, an annoyance you got a point there I, I don't ever call my grandma a grandmother yeah. grandmother yeah. like that's not the first thing i would yell out you know grandmother no, no you're yeah. probably right there i but, would uh, but all in all i enjoyed it you know take that scene out it looks like they're uh, setting this franchise to end with uh, two more movies in this like sort of trilogy type thing, oh, uh, with with Halloween Kills, which is supposed to come out uh, on October sixteenth of this year, oh, and then uh, in twenty twenty one, Halloween ends, nice. and uh, it's it's supposed to be a definitive end to the saga, which I think is kind of interesting, but also. Uh, begs the question do you guys think that will actually be the last halloween movie i no don't <laughs> no, no there's way. no way <laughs> i think it'll be the last one for a while i don't think there'll be another remake in the next like in like 2023 or anything you know i think they'll yeah. reboot it i and, think they'll um, reboot it David, after this. We're, we're more good and dead they'll reboot it and yeah the kids will be like what the I think we'll see a reboot before we're dead. Um, David Gordon Green is doing Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, so that's good. I kind of trust him doing it. He seems very passionate about the projects. Um, yeah, so like if you haven't seen this movie, that's like a big spoiler because like the the sequel's coming out, you know, because it really yeah. makes it seem like he dies. Oh, right, right. But you, I think you hear him breathing like during the credits or However, something at the end. However, almost all of them make it look like he dies in yeah, a way. Yeah, yeah, that's not <laughs> that's true. That's not, yeah. a, that's not a surprise <laughs> in slasher movies. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so anyways, that's my number two. All right. All right, my number one, I had to give it up to, speaking of Halloween, the movie that inspired Halloween, Black Christmas, 1974. Uh, This uh, group of sorority girls that are living in a house around Christmas time, and it plays on the classic, the call is coming from inside the house. (laughs) And it does it really well and really creepy. The guy starts making phone calls, and he is making some really disturbing noises. Right. I don't even know if you could really make out too many words. Right. 
Yeah, Lindsay, like can, you, can you can uh, you imitate those noises? <laughs> well, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty good. Uh, the first... I don't know if I've seen this one. Oh, it's so good. You, you should watch it. It's from Bob Clark, who did um, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things and Porky's, but also a, a Christmas story. <laughs> so he likes Christmas. And you know what? This movie, being a horror movie... Um, but taking place on Christmas really has the Christmas feel to it. Right. Like not, I don't know about the joy of Christmas, but <laughs> you know, it has the like Christmas lights and the right. Christmas music in it. And the first time we watched it, Lindsay and I, we watched it um, around Christmas time and it felt kind of nice. Like it's like, oh, I get to watch horror around Christmas time, but it still feels like Christmas. Right. And it just really like kept my interest the whole time and had some really just disturbing scenes in it when you see that that girl bagged up right in the in the, in the, in the like the plastic in the attic yeah and then when you realize that he's uh in the attic the whole time it just like sends these shivers down your spine when you think about he was there the whole time and watching him and what kind of a maniac he is where he can't even uh verbalize his thoughts he just has to right just make random <laughs> noises yeah. into the phone um so yeah this had to be my number one i i just i could i could definitely re-watch this one and it's such a great classic and it's such a great slasher movie it's definitely it's definitely like a movie to inspire other movies i feel like too it's yeah, got that feel about it where it's just like it's got a lot of cool concepts and, and just like it does feel super creepy so yeah so that's my number one black christmas my number one is tucker and dale versus evil and this was written by Eli Craig and Morgan Jurgensen, and the director was also Eli Craig. This came out in 2010, and when it came out, it's kind of up there in like the Shaun of the Dead like type of movies for me. But it was super inventive and super funny, and it, it doesn't really scare you that much because it is more more comedy. But the gore and everything in it is really fantastic, and I just I, I love the idea about these hillbillies that are on vacation and they're mistaken for these murderers and they're trying to help these kids and the kids are kind of like decide to go after them as well and everybody just keeps dying and it's so funny and it's just kind of like if you want a fun and gory ride I think this movie you have to see and I love I don't know it's you know there's the there's this beautiful woman and then this kind of like t slightly overweight like hillbilly guy um who I believe is I can't remember his name, actually. Is it uh, Alan Tootie? No. Anyway, um, so Tyler Labine. Tyler Labine. He plays kind of like this like rough hillbilly like guy. And the girl, this hot girl, kind of like falls in love with him. And I don't know why. I don't buy that in a lot of movies. I think it's pretty silly. But in this one, for some reason, his character is just like super lovable. And I'm like, I get it. Like, I, I actually get this in this case. It doesn't seem unbelievable to me. Well, well look at her friends, too. Her friends are all kind of jerk offs. Right. And he's like this genuine, nice dude who's like really has this uh, quirky, fun personality. So, yeah, I would buy it, too. Well, and he's just kind of lovable, right? Like, Absolutely. I think the actor is as well. Like, everything I've seen him in, like, I've usually really liked his character. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. If you haven't seen it... I, I highly suggest this one. It's fun. It'll it'll absolutely make you laugh. And if you like gore, again, if you like gore, go for it. Like you need to see this. You know, it's a unique slasher because the 
the killer is accidents. <laughs> right, right. The killer isn't really a yeah. slasher at all, right? I mean, it kind of, it turns into it. Sure. Because one yeah. of the kids goes crazy. Right. But for a long time, it's the kids accidentally offing themselves, and, <laughs> yeah. and it looks the like they way. are doing it, Tucker right. and Dale, which is such a cool, like, aspect. Right. Of all of it, you know? Yeah. Having people die around you. And- oh, and they're, they're, like, truly terrified as this is going on. Like, the poor hillbilly guys are just, like, truly upset uh, about the whole situation, and they don't know what to do about it. Oh, I, I would like to say, too, that it's kind of nice to show, like, hillbilly rednecks as likable characters. Right. Because, like, in, especially horror movies were showing showing them as like Quite creeps or weirdos <laughs> rapists and you know you can't you can't generalize people right like, there's awesome like i hate to use the word rednecks but i mean that's hillbillies. what they're called hillbillies um yeah but i mean there's there's cool people in pretty much any group right pretty much there's some groups that there's not yeah there's a stereotype <laughs> for a reason yeah. sometimes but <laughs> and that is my number one tucker and dale versus evil my number one is uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. It came out in 2006 and was directed by Scott Glosserman. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think you were telling me this, Brandon, but it was made by just fans of like horror movies. And they wanted to make their own yeah, slasher. It's like, right. It's Well, it's like a treat, right? Because it exists in the same world that... Um... Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers exist in. It's like, what if uh, this world was real? Let's take a look at, like, what if we could interview one of these types of people? Yeah. So I just thought it was really interesting. For those who haven't seen it, it's uh, kind of unique in the uh, horror aspect because it takes place from, like, a, some college students that are making a documentary on a slasher supernatural killer guy and uh so they like follow him around and they like watch him kill people and listen to him talking about killing people and why he does it and um it's it's very meta it's very funny but it's also a really good slasher movie on its own like it builds up to he's like preparing for this night where he's gonna be doing all the killings and it goes through his plans and it visualizes it for him so when he's describing it it shows like all the killings and then it'll go back and when it's actually happening things don't go exactly to his plan so you get your own kind of the last 30 minutes are just this really great slasher flick yeah and you know i really like how when it shows him killing it goes cinematic so it goes from like a mockumentary kind of movie to like cinematic. And then they put down the cameras and it goes full blown cinematic movie. Um, also Robert England is in it. Ooh, and you guys feeling that earthquake? Yeah. Just I just felt it. I just felt it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Another thing a, happening. In, work, good, yeah. Earthquake everybody. <laughs> Another thing that's happening in Utah for us is earthquakes. Um, it might be an aftershock. It could be an aftershock. We had yeah. one yeah. a few days ago. But yeah, you, you heard it. Well, you heard our you heard responses. Our, you heard us it. go, did you feel an earthquake? <laughs> I actually didn't feel it. I just saw I, Lindsay's eyes. Yeah, I just kind of like got scared for a second. Uh, yeah, some real life horror just now. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I'm not used to earthquakes. I'm not from California like Brandon. This is all new to me. I know, I know. <laughs> um, well, going back to the film, um, 
Robert England's in it, Freddy Krueger himself, but he plays a good guy in it. He plays kind of the Dr. Loomis type guy in it, and I thought that was really cool. Um, You know, one of my favorite parts about this is him talking about uh, basically explaining like how the a masked killer would be doing everything that he's doing. And one of it's like, yeah, you know, he has to keep up on his cardio and all of that to, yeah. cause he's like, you know, I have to like walk oh, yeah. and catch up with people. It's, I don't know. It's super funny. I, I like, yeah, it the humor in it is so goofy and fun in the character himself. Like you like really fall in love with the dude. Like he is great. And then you see what kind of a horrible person he is uh, as well. But yeah, right. he's, he's such a yeah. goofy character. Paradise it's lost like, uh... found. <laughs> yeah. i liked all the the prep work that he does for the house he like nails all the windows shut and everything and yeah he's like, yeah you gotta do a lot of prep work you can't have them running out all the windows and doing all this <laughs> yeah. Stuff. yeah you kind of you kind of like almost like start feeling like oh this is a hard job <laughs> you know? i wonder how much um was improvised by by the uh i think his name is uh nathan basil basiel basiel because he's he's got these pet turtles, Basil. and he's like, you know, I I'll go weeks without feeding these guys, and they just <laughs> little fuckers won't die. <laughs> and then he pauses for a while and just says, "I only keep animals I can eat." Right? Yeah. Who eats turtles? Right. It's right. such it's such like quirky, weird humor. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good fun. one. Yeah. So that's my number one behind the mask: the rise of Leslie Vernon. Um. <laughs> So my number one is Sleepaway Camp, and not because it's a great show, <laughs> but because of the ending. Yeah. I just remember like watching it as kids and like being super confused. We did not get but, it like, as kids. Yeah, like what? And, but also like giggling, like <laughs> like we thought it was hilarious because he's got a penis, right? Right. But then I remember like kind of staying up at night, going, being like, what? what the fuck like I, <laughs> it really <laughs> yeah it's a it's a pretty funny movie like i actually really like this yeah. movie and i don't know for all of its quirks it's pretty funny but you you almost have to love that ending the ending is so weird it's so yeah, weird yeah it's super spoiler so the girl has a penis <laughs> because yeah. she's really a, a guy because um <laughs> The, the, the mom. adopted mom right. wanted a, a daughter instead of another son. Yeah. The way they did it was and they had a, a mask molded of the girl. The actress, the girl that played the little girl. And then put it on a dude's face and it shows the penis in all of its hairy glory. <laughs> and then it pauses yeah, on it the so face. scary looking. Well, yeah. And that's why... I think that's why it is scary looking is because it's like this mask. It doesn't look right. And, yeah. and the funny part about it is, yeah. is you could tell they just like, that is not the girl's body throughout the whole thing. She's like this tiny little girl. And then all of a sudden she's got man <laughs> shoulders and a man body, but her face and the mask just looks super creepy. It's actually the scariest part of the movie. Like if you, if you, pa- if you pause oh, that. And the screaming. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, if you yeah. pause that scene and then like, made a poster from that and hung it on your wall that'd be the most terrifying poster oh i'd love to put that in my bathroom for all the visitors (laughs) that would be pretty hilarious actually that might be what i want for christmas they do pause it on her face they do pause it on her face yeah and then they roll credits over it and they just let you sit with it for a while they they do just let you sit with that disturbing face for a while but it, it is part of what makes that movie so great it's actually kind of a cool uh premise if you really think about it it's just the movie's really old and and dated so it makes it even funnier in a weird way but yeah 
I mean, it's a funny movie throughout, but I have to give it props just because when we were kids, it was like the most funniest thing ever. I should say, um, (laughs) besides this recent phenomenon of earthquakes in Utah, another phenomenon in Utah is people calling movies shows. So if you hear Melanie say show, she's probably talking about a movie. (laughs) I just had to clear that up for our our non-Utah listeners. It was really confusing for me coming out here from California, and I worked in a video store, and people were calling movies shows, and it was very confusing when they said, um, hey, do you have that show, Back to the Future? And I said, that was a show? They made a show of that? I'm like, yeah, they made three. I'm like, I know they made an animated series, but they made three shows? It took me a while. So, Well, I used to actually be guilty of this when Brandon and I first started dating. I think it took me two to three years to train myself out of it. And f- so I finally started oh, calling. I'm not th- training myself out of it. I, I, I started uh, calling things movie shows. I just started saying movie shows. <laughs> You'll also hear that these two sisters well, call black and white gray movies and white. gray and white. Yeah, <laughs> gray and white. <laughs> so just a heads up on that. It's gray and white. It's gray and white to me. Uh, but yeah, that's a good number one. Sleepaway Camp is super fun. All right, I have some honorable mentions here. Um, being a huge slasher fan, I have to give it. A, Sleepaway Camp was actually one of my honorable mentions. So it was the original Halloween. I watched that movie every Halloween. Um. Friday the 13th, part four in particular, I really enjoy. April Fool's Day, happy birthday to me. And the original Maniac. Not the remake so much, the original. The original Maniac is gold. Anybody else have honorable mentions? Uh, no. Let's see. How about 3D Valentine's? Because you get to see 3D clit. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I do like the original My Bloody Valentine, but I did see My Bloody Valentine in 3D, and that was before they got the like better 3D glasses, so it was right. still like the, Remember the, the green and red right. glasses. Remember the preview for that made it look like the axe was just going to come, or the, the pickaxe was going to come at you through the screen? I was oh, really excited. Oh, because it showed the audience, and it yeah. showed it, yeah. Yeah, I was like, very, they like very much tricked you back in the day. I'm glad 3D's come a long way from, from then, because that was like super yeah. disappointing. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Well, I guess we'll end on that, Melody. <laughs> hey, oh, was Cabin Fever a, a slasher? I'd call it more of a monster movie. Yeah, it's kind of a monster movie, um, kind of a slasher. It's kind of everything. Like a, it's everything. It's like a logical thriller, maybe. Yeah, it could be. It could be like considered a lot, but I, yeah, I do love that the, movie. The disease. I would say psychological. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. But well, also, maybe also not a, monster a creature slasher, feature. But that's my honorable mention. Yeah. You just wanted to mention Creature Feature Month. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And that's our show. Uh, We really appreciate you guys listening um, and forgiving our lower quality in this show. We're going to continue to uh, do this for you guys stuck at home, doing your part, listening. Um, Give us a review on the platform you're listening to and check us out on social media. Um, Bub Club Podcast is where you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Also, you can email us questions if you want. We might answer them on the show. Uh, BubClubPodcast at gmail.com. Bub Club is a production of Pod Cauldron. Check out some other great shows on the Pod Cauldron Network. Cards and Cubes, Rabble, Rabble, Rabble. We appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next time.